series. We're going to go to Wales today. The Daffed Triangle and the Welsh Roswell. Two Welsh Roswells. Two? Two. One fairly recent and the other back in the 70s. Right, okay. Before that we'll thank some new and returning listeners. Where should we start with? Dayton, Ohio, Boreham Wood in the United Kingdom, Canby Island in the UK, Abbottabad in Pakistan, oh, a couple of Indian ones as well, uh, Guwahati and Kolkata, Bogota, Colombia, Salinas, Ecuador, lots of Americans there, San Jose, California, New City, New York, Philadelphia, Ben Olin in South Africa, we're very diverse this week, mm-hmm. Lee I think that is, in Latvia, Perth, Australia, Newbridge, Ireland, Copenhagen in Denmark. That's uh, the Danish on their way over the world. Yeah, anyone but Wales. Oh, I like Wales, but... No, fuck them. I, 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 I cheer for the home nations, right? Talk with the Welsh Roswell, you say fuck the Welsh? No, no, uh, yeah, they've got great UFO crashes. <laughs> Football, you know, if, if they didn't do that anyone but England thing, I'd cheer for the home nations, but as it was last night, I was a Dane. Brussels in Belgium, Sydney, Australia, Cumming in Georgia, Bengaluru, India, into the top ten. Recife, I think that is, in Brazil, Atlanta, Georgia, Bourbon, Oregon. Madrid, Spain, Ashburn, Virginia, Kamloops in Canada, you're new, and Guadalajara, Spain, top. Thank you all. Thank you. It's very much appreciated. You soothe our fragile egos. Your fragile egos. My fragile egos. got more than one. I don't know, all of us. (laughs) I told you I'm destroyed my ego. Attempting to. Right. This is a UFO episode. I think we should touch upon the USO, uh, UFO report released by the US government that was highly anticipated and is actually just... Bullshit. It was very meh. Yeah. I think we should have known, shouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, it was nine pages, for fuck's sake. Oh, was it? Was that it? Yeah, it was just all testimony. Nine pages of testimony from the uh, thing is like, yeah, we just uh, we used to know. These things are hanging around. They're buzzing our ships. They're buzzing our planes. They we... don't think they're aliens. They don't think they're other countries. But well, they that... can't rule them out. And they don't know what it is. So, that none of the fucking wiser, t- really, is it? I wonder how much money they spent on that, because I'd have told them that. Yeah. For, like, ten quid. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It crossed my mind that, that, you know, it was some other countries, or even... Super secret in in their own country or you uh, you know in the USA, sending out you know these little UFOs to test their own military to see how it's you know but how unlikely. sharp they are. Yeah, but why? It's you, unlikely. Though. Why are they, in that case, if I was the general in charge of that operation, I'd be like, why are we still using our conventional planes when we've got these? Yeah. So like, no, but they don't know about them, you see. Yeah, but the, someone's got to be in charge of sending out the little UAV UAPs, haven't they? The little tic tacs. You'd be like, oh man, are we, why are we bothering with aircraft carriers when we've got these? Why are we spending all this money? We can just make a fleet of these fucking things. Yeah. It's like when people said Nazis had UFOs during the war. If they did, they would have won the war. They would have used it, they were losing it at one point. Well, they, they went you don't just sit on it. It's like fucking. Hitler's like, Hitler, come on, we've got this fucking UFO, man. It can fucking just destroy cities. It's powered by Vril! Yeah. <laughs> nah, nah. No, no, no put, it in a, put it in a bunker and let the, let the conspiracy theorists talk about it for the next 80 years. <laughs> It'll fuck them up and that'll be our final legacy. Yeah. <laughs> no, Mike, the Nazi UFOs all went to South, the Antarctic, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Where they operated from that underground base with Hitler there. The one in the hole. The one in the hole. And they fought off the Americans in 1947. We all know this is history. <laughs> then they died from poisoned polar bear meat. Even though I forgot to mention it on the pod at the time. Polar bears aren't in the Antarctic. They're only in the Arctic. Maybe they took them down with them because they're Aryan bears, they're white. <laughs> Maybe they catch a lot of polar bears and took them down. Like we're only having we're going to take in food. We're going to travel having... north to the Arctic, <laughs> find and capture polar bears, yep. take them down for food. Yep. All the way down to the Antarctica, yep. yeah, makes perfect yep. sense. Because they don't want no brown bears on their on their Fourth Reich, do they? That's why it was fucking poison. It took four fucking months to get down to the Antarctic. Yeah. The meat went off. <laughs> well, they weren't clever about everything, were they? 
They invaded Russia for one, obviously. What about mass like um, surveillance? Couldn't it be some something like that? No. There's the possibility that they are unmanned drones. The way they're moving around based on our own laws of physics would suggest they're unmanned because a human body couldn't take that velocity and direction change without turning itself into a red mush. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, there's some kind of um, machine inside that nullifies outside forces. But that would involve a really high level of technology that apparently we don't have. It's probably AI probes, isn't it? We send them to other planets, why wouldn't they send it to us? And Earth could be, it's called the zoo hypothesis. We could have been bred by aliens, it's like a, a planet-wide zoo. Yeah. But now and again, they send these probes down to check how we're getting on. Maybe they're usually invisible, but they've had a malfunction. It's possible. Oh, they could be camera drones and we're just, this is a sitcom. It's Earth season yeah. 2000. Oh, the longest can... running show in the mm-hmm. galaxy. Oh, and they can flick between, like, you know... Anywhere, anywhere, oh, anyone. It's so it 14.7 billion, isn't it? No, it's 12.6 billion or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I you wouldn't, you wouldn't be... Well, you'd, the Earth. I don't know, but you'd, I suppose you'd have the dinosaurs, wouldn't you, of season one? <laughs> yeah, up until... Well, at first you'd have pond scum, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, that would be very entertaining, yeah. though. No one's going to watch that. No. Let's watch this pond scum evolve for the next three million years. And it took three billion years for life to evolve, so for three billion there was nothing going on. Yeah, no one's watching an empty rock. It's a hell, To be fair, I mean, it's a good idea, but for a TV programme... Maybe they created us it's as part of the entertainment. Years, we might have life. Let's put this on TV. No one's going to do that, even in an alien galaxy. But I think for scientists, alien scientists to study life, they could have seeded it with life. Could be an experiment. We're, we're, about hundred, life, we're about hundred six billion years ago, is it? Yeah, yeah. We're about a hundred thousand years old, aren't we, as a species, humanity? Like that. Dinosaurs were sixty-five million years ago. Give or take. Yep. I'd watch the dinosaur season. That'd be fucking awesome. Humanity, no, not so much. <laughs> I, I, I lost. I stopped watching when humanity came into oh, it. Come on, you want to watch the humanity? Yeah. yeah. The, the dinosaurs. They just eat each other, don't yeah. they? Oh man! At the end of season one, the dinosaurs get wiped out. No one sees it coming. It's like Ned Stark getting his head cut off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I thought they were the main characters. What's going on? They killed them all off. But watching us must be something different, mustn't it? So oh, they built links now. Oh my god, it's gone <laughs> oh. fucking it's gone mental now. You oh, are you, you watching it? Are you watching it? America's got the A bomb. <laughs> they just nuked Japan. Now the Russians have got. I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they could have seeded, you know, the, the planet. Yeah, and then they could live so far away that they they go home, and then they come back in a few, uh, you know, thousand years, isn't it? Because also remember, it could be multi-dimensional. Yeah. Could be beings from another multiverse. Multiverse is possible. It's been proved. Mm. No, it's not been proved. Right, theoretically. No, we can't. Theoretically, it's a possibility. We can't prove it, can we? How can we prove it? That's the trouble with it. We can't. It's it's theorised that there are other dimensions. Or there is the possibility that it's us from the future. Can't roll that one out. Why, why would it be us from the future looking at us from the past going, oh, what shit show? Maybe there's something we've got they don't have anymore. Maybe, again, it's just tourism. Maybe these, maybe these are the... Yeah, possibly. Maybe it's the history buffs. That's the equivalent to watching the History Channel. You go on a little fucking tic-tac show, little tic-tac aircraft, and uh, watch the US military aircraft carriers dying around... This is a brilliant so it could be anything. But the report was very disappointing. Yeah. A lot of people wanted like the US government to come clean yeah. and, and full disclosure. Mm-hmm. Or at least a soft disclosure where they say this is nothing, this is just nothing at all. It's it was a big disappointment. Which is a good job because we'd be out of a job, or I certainly would, on this podcast if the way proved that the aliens were real. Yeah. <laughs> I've had nothing to talk about. Well, you still would, wouldn't you? But yeah, but they're real now. So it's like, oh, well, so was Kelly Hopkinsville, so was Roswell, 
every alien encounter is actually or ninety nine percent of them are actually yeah, no, it's, it's true. Yeah, Sorry. But that would make visiting it. You'd be looking at a different eye then, wouldn't you? A different view. Yeah. Well, a skeptical view. If you know it's real, everything. I don't believe that everything is real anyway. But well, it's like the question would change. Yeah. Like, are they real? It's like what? what, you, what yeah. Are you what doing? do they want? Yeah. Should we be afraid? Yeah. yeah. Can we make contact? I mean, it would be such a society-shattering event, if you think about it, if aliens were real and it was proved they'd been visiting us, because all of a sudden our entire relationship with the galaxy has changed. Yeah, of course. You know, and then you've got to question religion. Shattering, I'm not sure about that, you know, I don't think everyone would be like, ah, you know. Oh, it freaked me. No, but it would just change our perception. Oh, yeah. At the moment, we think we're the only life. Yeah. That is in the universe. That is the standard belief, isn't it? Yeah. No, if we're not, we're not unique. There's plenty of other life out there, and they're visiting us on top of that. Fuck me. You know what do they want? Are they here in peace? Are they here in war? Is it going to be Independence Day? It's, it could like completely revolutionise our technology if we made contact because they they'd probably exchange stuff with us. Oh, what you stood on a cancer? Oh, we figured that one out years ago. Here you go. Mm. You know, oh, you still got famine. Oh, we'll have these like fucking smart crops that'll grow in any any soil in any weather. It's gonna be a pretty much one way trade, though, isn't it? What the fuck are we gonna offer them? Quality television programming, Mike. Uh, <laughs> totally aliens. Have you, heard, have you ever heard of Neighbours? Have you seen The Walking <laughs> Dead? <laughs> You'll love it. <laughs> well, like podcast, obviously. Podcast. They, they could laugh. You know, they'd proper laugh at this, wouldn't they? Yeah, maybe it's like we'd have like a cultural exchange, they give us technology. Yeah, we have our drugs, don't they? That's the first thing. Well, maybe we're the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> like in that... Um, bad taste. Bad taste, yeah. The movie. Yeah, so uh, disappointing. All right, then let's move on to um, the Welsh Triangle, the Welsh Roswell episode. So, the Welsh Triangle, what was seen in the sky back in 1977? Both incidents took place in 1977, I should okay. point out. It was the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> Same year as Star Wars. Back in 1977 at Broadhaven Primary School in Pembrokeshire, a group of pupils saw an object which started a wave of UFO sightings in the area now called the Dyfed Triangle. David Davies, that's such a Welsh name, uh-huh. who was 10 at the time, had heard the rumours of flying saucers from other pupils on the day but did not believe them. Talking to the BBC, he said, I was a natural-born sceptic, so after the bell rang, I decided to go to the area the children had said they'd seen it. But then he saw a silver cigar-shaped craft with a dome covering the middle third. My sighting only lasted a couple of seconds, he said. It popped up and then went back behind a tree. Now, none of the teachers believed the children, and so the headmaster separated them and got them to draw what they saw. There were slight variations what they drew was basically the same. Just reminds me of the Zimbabwe account. Yeah, I was thinking that. That'll be coming soon. That was a that was um kind of creepy one actually. They had, they had contact. Yeah. They spoke to them. Wow. Telepathy. I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a good podcast by the unexplained with Howard Hughes, he, he does an episode where he speaks to one of the people who's there. Yeah. So telepathy is when you hear it in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the way that most of these uh, encounters tend to happen, isn't it? It's all telepathy. The aliens are telepathic. They speak in English in our heads, but they never speak out loud. Mm-hmm. Following the sighting, the media descended on the quiet village, and as David put it, the next few days were a wild roller coaster. Though one family in particular was very severely affected by it all. The Coombs family, who were employed at the Ripperston farm, had a number of very strange experiences. Among the sightings of UFOs in their car, a seven-foot silver-suited being with a black visor appearing outside their window. Must have been terrifying. Uh. Constant mechanical disturbances, including their car and television set repeatedly breaking down and having to be replaced, and their cows seemingly being teleported from one field to another. Those poor cows. Two months later, Rosa Granville, who ran the Haven Fort Hotel in nearby Little Haven, described seeing an object which looked like an upside-down saucer and two faceless humanoid creatures with pointed heads. Uh, she said, so when she came off it, her face felt burned. Mm. There was a light coming from it and all flames of all colours. Then the creatures came out of these flames, and that's what I don't understand. 
Not the fact they were faceless humanoids, the fact that they walked out of the flames. Somewhat distressed by the encounter, Mrs Granville wrote a letter to her MP, a Member of Parliament, who promptly asked the Ministry of Defence to investigate. The MP said at the time, I am being inundated at the present time with representations about UFOs said to have been seen in Pembrokeshire. It turns out the RAF were asked to carry out a discreet probe <laughs> of the area to investigate. Extract of the private memorandum to the Provost and Security Service of RAF, uh, effectively the military police, mentioned the number of level-headed witnesses to the strange activity. It reads, I should be grateful if you would let me know whether you think some sort of discreet inquiry would be worthwhile, or even whether there is a prima facie evidence for a more serious specialist inquiry. The author of the letter adds, I have not told the minister I am consulting you. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Nick Pope, who worked as the UFO investigator for the MOD, said, quote, This bombshell document shows how the MOD's UFO project asked the RAF police to conduct a secret investigation into these mysterious events, while Parliament, the media and the public were being told it was of no defence significance. Well, that's just standard... Um, of course, standard line. No defence significance. Yeah. Nothing like, to see here. Nothing to see here. Move along. <laughs> Flight Lieutenant Cowan, an officer from RAF Bordy, visited Mrs. Granville's hotel and examined the site, but could find no evidence of a landing. He joked, should a UFO arrive at RAF Bordy, we will charge normal landing fees. Oh, oh you, you're a new card. <laughs> Just had to say that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's the first one. I think it's a local prankster. Could have been a local prankster. Apparently there was a there's a there Tom is a, Jones. Hmm? There is Tom Jones. It's Tom Jones. Well, there we go. Silver suit and shades and he's. <laughs> uh, well, I suppose it's 1977, so the speculation that the practical Joker may have been at work. A former U.S. Navy sailor said the figure in a silver suit was in fact a member of the U.S. military personnel wearing their standard fireproof uniform. Possibility. Oh yeah. And the UFOs were the new Harrier jets flying overhead. Could which be. I suppose if you've never seen a Harrier jet yeah. before, then okay. But still, you know, an MP is writing, is being written to, he's asking questions. The RAF are going out there to investigate it. They must think there's something. Here's some pictures that the kids have uh, drawn, and they don't look like Harrier jets. No, they don't, do they? No, that's true. That one looks like a massive nipple no. with a spot on it. All sort of your stereotypical dome-shaped craft, yeah. sort of shaped craft, with aliens, some of them. Interesting. Mm. So let's move on to my next one. The strange night in a Welsh field involving huge UFO lights, explosions and military planes. Now this was in 2016. Okay. I didn't hear about this. No. no. A cold winter's night in South Wales back on February 26th, 2016, was anything but ordinary in one Welsh town, some say. In a scene worthy of an episode of The X-Files, multiple witnesses reported seeing a huge UFO and other lights, along with military planes, helicopters, a chase, explosions, shaken buildings, damaged trees and wreckage in the town of Pentrick. Were they making a film? No. I just put out there. Maybe, yeah, there's a possibility. An Apache helicopter landing with its cockpit on fire. Weird metal. snow. It is pretty metal, isn't it? <laughs> Weird snow and mystery men in white overalls were other reported sightings. Now, of course, the activity was explained by the authorities as an armed forces exercise known as chameleon, as was reported at the time, but of course they would say that, wouldn't they? Mm. Of course we've got all these stuff here, which is an exercise near your town. But many still believe it was something out of this world, claiming to have spotted unidentified lights which did not conform to the normal idea of a military aircraft. Echoing the Roswell uh, incident. Recalling the events of that day more than two years ago, what one witness, Kaz Clark, said she could categorically state it was no exercise. I will take a lie detector anywhere for anyone, she says, but what I witnessed will stay with me for the rest of my life. What is more, the military knew they were coming and had a spotter plane in the air for two days waiting for the event. When it came, four planes chased the green object, 
while the spotter plane circled approximately six red oval objects which formed a pyramid shape. Several red spheres hovered silently above the fields until the helicopters came. Another witness, Mike Henry, claims to have seen a red pulsing light followed by two more to form a triangle descended from the clouds. It looked very large indeed, he said. I don't think it touched down totally, but about 10 to 12 feet from the ground it lit up fully, showing the full light outline of it, then it dimmed down. He added that black, red and green orbs emerged from it as if they were dancing and moulding into one, pulsing from red to green slowly. Witnesses told the Swansea UFO network they spotted a red light to the west above and beyond the line of trees that marked the field's western extremity. It was followed by other red lights that formed the outer edges of a huge triangle standing upright, tilted to the side. They said they did not see it arrive, but rather it just appeared in front of them, with a suggestion that it travelled interdimensionally. Or mm. like wormhole its way in. Or just turned its lights on and decided to appear. Maybe. Maybe it was there all the time, turned its mm -hmm. lights on. You don't know. Uh, a small green-lighted object emerged from the top of the large structure, and witnesses claimed the lights were so bright it was difficult to see their individual shape. The green object flashed or strobe three times, then headed off to the northwest, and the aircraft chased it. It had also been recorded how the Apache helicopters approached low across the fields in the south when they came out of the rising sun. Mm -hmm. then Obviously, Ride the Valkyries was playing. Of course. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Oh, Apache helicopters fucking rock. <laughs> Running down the Welsh gooks. <laughs> <laughs> if they stand still, they're a taff. <laughs> if they run, if they run, they're a taff. If they stand still, they're a disciplined taff. <laughs> they were so low, the witnesses could see the grass being disturbed beneath them. Interestingly, the uh, RAF um, and the Army Air Corps have a reputation for flying very, very low. They're very good at it, apparently. They taught it in the Welsh Valleys. And if you fly in a few hundred million quid's worth of military hardware, they don't want you to crash it, so they make sure you're quite good at it. Mm -hmm. Oh God, well don't worry, the Swansea UFO network's on the case. Are they? Yeah. Not Sufo. <laughs> Sufon, the large object, then dipped to the right, turning on its axis, witness accounts claimed, adding they descended below the tree line. Yeah. They told the UFO network members the lowest lights became really bright and released several fingers of light arching down to the ground like coloured lightning. The red lights went out, and then the large object was no longer visible. It's so bizarre, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. It's quite difficult to follow what they're trying to explain. Yes. Well, there was green and red orbs and shit. Yeah. Orbs in in the in the sky. They were there for a minute and they disappeared, didn't they? They formed this triangle, triangle shape. shape. A green one emerged at the peak of it, which then shot off towards the town to the northeast, which was then followed by four Apache attack helicopters. Which suggests each one of these things is a craft in itself. Yeah. Anyway, if one can shoot off. Maybe it was an attempt at communication. Maybe they're really miniature aliens. I don't know. It doesn't give you an estimation of size of the lights, does it? But it says they were so bright that you couldn't make out what shape was underneath. Although the, the Swansea UFO group did claim to have discovered electromagnetic residue, which was evidence something unnatural occurred. What's that? What's it's electromagnetic residue? I guess it would be higher background readings of electromagnetism. Okay. I guess. That sounds like some Ghostbusters shit. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that is an issue because... Stuff like that, you just hit the nail on the head with the Ghostbusters thing. Mm -hmm. All the ghost hunters, they've got them like electromagnetism readers which aren't designed to do that. You know what I mean? You, but then again, they're doing it up a mountain. Whereas ghost hunters are doing it in a room full of electronics. Yeah, what I'm trying to say is could anything else explain that? Could it have been Air Force? It could have been the heavy amount of um, satellite radio traffic. Might still be lingering in the ionosphere, yeah. something like that, Probably I don't know. Brief, is it? Like you see, it's just like the spotter plane, there's almost like the military were waiting for them to arrive. They said, oh, there's a spotter plane in the air. And as soon as they arrived, well, they're they all hell broke loose. Reconnaissance? Couldn't they? For two days waiting, they're all there. You're going to be, 
like you're doing your reconnaissance in your in your Training, plane, and then this green blob, and you're like, sir, I can see a green orb yeah. in the sky, and they're like, green what? You know, they're not just gonna let you boom fly off after an unidentified object, are they? Because one, you know. It it's might in, shoot it's, you down. Well, they don't know. They would. It's in your airspace. It's engaged, aren't they? Yeah, they're saying if it's if it's it's in our airspace and it's uninvited, we don't know what it is. It is literally you an unidentified flying object. You won't object. be asked to shoot straight away, but you'll be asked to find out what it is, get closer. Yeah. Surely. Get a visual on it. Yeah. What do I do now? And if it's like, what well, is it threatening you? No. Okay. Well, just observe. Try and make contact, wouldn't you? Say it was a Russian plane. You try and make contact with it, wouldn't you? Yeah, but you could like, figure out the radio frequency at that point. There's probably an international frequency yeah. you could communicate on, but with this, there wouldn't be. No, you no, see the Russians no. try to bomb our ship? Apparently so. Where? In the um, the Black Sea. Huh. In the Crimea, just off the Crimea, yeah. No one recognises the Ukraine as being Russian, uh, sorry, the Crimea as being Russian again. Yeah. Uh, so we were sailing in what we consider international waters, and the Russians said, no, that's ours. They fired warning shots and... Shadowed oh, as who's provoking who there though? It's a bit of both. It's fifty-fifty because it just so happens that our carrier group is in the Middle East, so it's that far away. Interesting, that isn't it? Mm. And Boris does love a bit of gunboat diplomacy when there's by-elections coming up, as we've, sh we've seen already. He loves that whole Britannia rolls away shit. He's always sending gunboats somewhere, isn't he? Yeah. It'd be interesting going back to this. It'd be interesting to see the militaries observations and files on you know yeah we never will will we that's the thing i mean yeah. they, they got rid of that photo we talked about last time yeah you know that was like even nick pope was like yeah that's the fucking real deal no, it won't have been got rid of got rid of will it forever because it's not in their best interests the negatives would have been destroyed so no copies would be made i'd imagine yeah. they would have or they would have or their own the opposite or they'd have their own copies of the negatives yeah. or they'd keep it so they'd probably keep the negatives and destroy the photo, wouldn't they? Yeah, possibly. All right, let's go to the 1977 Welsh Roswell, the Birmingham incident. January 23rd, 19, sorry, 1974, it wasn't 77, mm. I apologise. It was a cold, damp and moonless night in Landrillo, a small village built around a broad stream at the base of the Birmingham Mountains in North Wales. The village postmaster was watching television with his wife when he felt like the house party company from the foundation. Oh, the village postmaster? Yeah, it's back in the day, isn't it? Highly respectable. The sodden earth beneath the village trembled and the grey slate houses shook as if Browen the giantess, a mythical goddess whose throne towered above the village, had risen again. Crockery flew off shelves and smashed onto flagstone floors. A deep rumbling accompanied the tremor, striking terror into the local community. The postmaster rushed outside and turned to check on his post office, a low-slung slate-roof cottage in the centre of the village, whose front room had been converted into a shop. But his eye was drawn to the left, where he saw a fireball in the sky. Could a plane have crashed, he wondered. Neighbours also stood and gazed skywards. The postmaster cast an anxious glance over the yard to the right, with its underground petrol tanks and rows of gas cylinders, then set off towards the mountain to see what had happened and perhaps offer help. Police who had commandeered another Land Rover set off to help him. A hunting party was already up the mountain, having finished their rabbit shoot, but other than the hunter's vehicle, the searchers saw no one. They climbed the hill until they were surrounded by heather and grass. The black and almost indistinguishable masses of the magnificent Bering Mountains extended to the southeast. By the light of their requisitioned headlamps, police officers scoured the tufted landscape for anything untoward. There must have been some clue as to what happened, the officer in charge thought. He could see white lights in various directions, but none of them looked unusual. One of the party cried out, that's it, as something flashed in the sky, but it subsided as quickly as it had appeared. Eventually, the searchers accepted that there was nothing to be found and descended, baffled. No one in Landrillo found anything on the mountain that night. In the following days, search efforts intensified. Royal Air Force personnel, scientists, journalists and UFO enthusiasts combed the surrounding land and interviewed locals at length but came up with nothing. The string of strange events was officially recorded as a coincidence of natural phenomena. An earthquake measuring between 3 and 4 on the Richter scale, which is no, by no means a major quake but uncommon in the UK, and a shower of bright meteors that burned up somewhere over the UK. Local teenagers don't joke to make little green men, 
while locals reveled in the attention, each claiming their part in the night. And when teams of police and military descended on the area, it seemed like Landrillo became the centre of the universe. It would be another 20 years before Margaret Fry, a world-renowned UFO investigator, unearthed the evidence that turned the case into what it is today. Wales' answer to Roswell. In July 1991, a friend passed on an intriguing lead. A nurse named Pat Evans had seen something strange upon the Bering Mountains in 1974 on the night of the earthquake and meteor shower. Alleged earthquake and meteor shower, damn it. Margaret had heard reports of earthquakes coinciding with UFOs. In fact, she had a theory that UFO noughts, her term for the pilots of alien spacecraft, knew about them in advance and came down because of them. The meteor showers, I assume. She also had a dim recollection of an article uh, in the Flying Saucer Review about a mysterious explosion and strange lights on the Welsh side many years ago. She was keen to investigate, so drove with two colleagues to Pat's village of Ladderfell. Flying Saucer Review. <laughs> so Pat and her daughters that night, after the explosion, yeah. drove onto the mountain to see if they could help. From a vast, elevated expanse of heather moorland, the bearing range stretched across to the left. Pat remained stolid until she got her first clear look at the mountaintops. She stopped the car in disbelief. Sitting on the shoulder of the closest peak was a round, brilliantly illuminated reddish-orange ball. They sat watching it aghast. At one point, Pat opened the car's window, but there was no sound. The object had no perceivable windows or doors. It was just a well-defined and uniformly coloured reddish-orange circle that sat on the countryside and glowed like a huge spherical ember. Like the sun. Not on, sat on top of the mountain. It's not, no, at night. It's perspective. It's at night. It's at night. Yeah, it? yeah, it's at night. Not dusk. No, it's at night. It's at night. It's at night. It's at night. All right. <laughs> Roll out the sun then. Well, the other one said, the other guy said that, didn't he? A round, orangey, burning ball. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Could have been that phenomena where the, the sun is setting and then it comes back because it's been reflected off water or something on the other side and it looks like it's back in the sky again. Possibly. They were in the mountains, weren't they? Mm? They were in the mountains, wasn't they? Yeah, they were in the mountains. Yeah, but the horizon is quite far away, isn't it? Yes, true. I don't know. You'd have to be looking at the sea for that, though, don't you? Because it's got a light. Well, I'm trying to say the horizon might be. If you're on top of a mountain, the horizon's quite far. It might be the horizon might be the sea. Yeah. Yes, there is a valid point. I don't know. What about the earthquake? Oh, well, was that just a? Uh, just an earthquake. Was it an earthquake? So back home. Margaret, who's the investigator, called her boss, Jenny Randalls, the director at Bufora, which is the British version of MUFON, ah. to relay the nurse's story. To Margaret's surprise, she learned that it was not the first time Randalls had heard about the Berwyn incident. Months after it happened, Randalls had received a typed letter in the post from the Aerial Phenomena Inquiry Network, a shadowy group that provided no return address. It read like a parody of Bad Spycraft. Tall humanoid aliens travelling in a flying saucer had landed in North Wales. A cassette tape accompanied the letter, but it was, uh... It was a load of shit. <laughs> the cassette tape invited as a bizarre medley of Nazi marching tunes, excerpts from news broadcasts and UFOs, about UFOs, drug-sounding Welshmen, and an American voice who claimed to be the supreme commander of a pen. Of a pen? A pen, the Aerial Phenomenon Network, Inquiry Network. Could have meant that he's just master of a pen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. The resulting article was widely shared by UFO enthusiasts and set light to a powder keg of conspiracy theories, including uh, accounts of alien bodies littering the countryside, the mountainside. This is in the 90s now. It's taken 20 years for this story to get out. Margaret sent the article to Pat, the nurse, who said she'd seen this, who called her back in a state of agitation. It is well known that publication of details revealed in an intimate interview can send a once willing witness into panic, even causing the witness to recant further facts in order to avoid further attention. Now, Margaret couldn't say whether that was the case, but contrary to what she was sure the nurse had told her, Pat insisted she'd seen no one on the way home that night, no, no military police, no nothing. I, I was thinking when Pat and... You know, the other person and her daughters went up, didn't they see the lot? You know, maybe they did their flashlights. Did the 
military police have flashlights. No, that's a, see, that's the interesting point. The police are seeing white lights, and they're like, ah, oh, that's nothing unimportant. Now, it's probably Pat and her... Pat. Pat. Pat, her daughters. Pat. And probably the military police and RAF search and rescue teams. Her daughter's Phil and Grant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the night, it was like... Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> now, now, Margaret didn't own a tape recorder. She only kept notes. She's a bit old school. But the nurse claims that she'd seen soldiers that night on the mountain. And then she said, no, no, retract that. Retract it. I didn't see anything. Did the men in black pay her a visit? Or she just realised it was a dream? <laughs> <laughs> she went up there, it wasn't a dream, was it? Could have been. 20 years ago, who knows, man? Well, encouraged, Margaret hired a community hall in the town of Bala and stuck up notices on wooden telegraph poles to alert people to an inquiry what happened on that night in 1974. She was basically standing there with a whole pack full of farmers, agricultural workers, retirees and the children of late relatives who claimed to have seen something that night. Out of their mouths spilled stories of military convoys roaring through the area around midnight, cars backing up on the mountainside trying to catch a glimpse of the UFO and strange red lights elsewhere. One gentleman, an amateur astrologist, had written a detailed description of a reddish-orange orb in his diary at the time. The barmaid in a local hotel recounted how glass it had flown from the shelves and that the next day turned strangers in dark suits had checked him for a whole week spending every day up the mountain. <laughs> they just turned up, all, like, three of them in a line, one of my rooms, mm. for a whole week. Yeah. We're doing some stuff up the mountain. Yes, of course, we're doing some things up the mountain. Why are you in black? <laughs> no reason. That is pretty much the eyewitness testimony for this. Bodies being taken away to port and down, military convoys. Where, where are the bodies come from? From the crash. Oh, so they're thinking it's a crash? They're thinking it's a crash. Bodies were taken away. Bodies being taken away, crashed UFOs, a crashed UFO, military convoys. The, the locals are like, well, yeah, there was fucking like military convoys, there was RAF personnel, there was military police, they sealed the area off, we couldn't go up there. Even the police weren't allowed up there. Well, yeah, because the police are related to all of these people in, in well, the that's, village. Well, that's a valid point, yeah. So this is a tiny little community. So the nurse is quite a well-respected figure in the community, isn't she? Yeah. And she's quite happy to sit there and tell the UFO researcher who then wrote the article and published it in the UFO magazine, and then she retracts it. Well, is that just a case that the witnesses have got, to, the, the men in black have been round to say, nah, you didn't see nothing, love? You don't know, do you? Oh, she's it. been ridiculed. Yeah. Yes, maybe. But is that enough to make you want to, I mean, it's already out there, isn't it? There's that nurse who believes in, uh, mm. you know, believes in the She delivered my child. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't care if she saw fucking little green men every night, mate, as long as she knows what she's doing. Well, that's you, for saying some people might not want that. Well, yeah. Certainly the second, I think this is the second biggest UFO case in the UK that we've had. Mm -hmm. Rendlesham being number one. With the exception of that photograph. I, I thought the one at the RAF Cosford, that one was pretty, you know... Yeah, but we got no bodies at that, have we? This is like bodies and a crash site and mm -hmm. being whisked off to Port and Dome where they test all our chemical weapons and would be the logical place for alien bodies to be taken, I guess, unless there's more secret bases that we don't know about. Could it not have just been a military exercise that went wrong and they don't want to admit it? That's a possibility. Maybe it was an experimental craft yeah. that went down. I mean, this is set, uh, in the 70s. We, Everyone was playing around with stuff, and I'd imagine if they're going to do it anywhere, it's going to be in the Welsh mountains or the Scottish Highlands. So it's remote, isn't it? All you've got are these little communities. Yeah, there's need more evidence of what someone, some people think they remember 20 years before. Well, this is always a problem with any, whether it's UFOs or anything, is that people's memories are, in fact, terrible. I watched this great programme once where they, they tried to sort of say about Roswell. Mm -hmm. and they took a bunch of people up a mountain and they all had cameras on and they had microphones and recording equipment because the human mind obviously remembers things differently 
we took him up there a couple of times. They've had this desert trail, and they sort of had a little sort of hike. And then so many times in, they came across some wreckage and a soldier standing there with a rifle. And he told them, ah, keep moving, keep moving, go that way, go that way, you didn't see anything. And when they asked, they'd gone back in a couple of weeks later and said, okay, well, what happened on, your, on that nature hike? Despite the fact that there's video evidence, they were like, oh, yeah, that soldier pointed a gun at you, didn't he? he told you to move away, he told you to get away, he was quite aggressive. Mm. You know, he swore at us, so I was, none of it happened, but people don't remember things that well, so they then use their imagination to fill in the blanks. But, I mean, surely stuff like, you know, military convoys screaming through the, down the road through the village, helicopters and stuff searching, you know, do you remember that specifically? No, I mean, 20 years. Yeah, but Roswell, mate, uh, all, the, all the evidence for that was like 50 years later, all the eyewitness accounts, no one spoke about that till the, early, uh, till the late 80s. Yeah. I don't know. Just it... They took off, publicised, mm -hmm. you know. I think it's more likely to be some sort of military, you know, fuck up. I don't think you can rule that out. You can't rule that out, a military fuck up. And you can, oh, I don't know, they're saying that any, any UFO crash... something and it just, you know... Any UFO crash can be a military fuck up, in all fairness. Any UFO encounter can be a military fuck up. Mm. Couldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so we've done Scotland, we've been to Wales, we're going to do England next time round, and it's my pick for the listener. It'll be Rendlesham Forest, might be a two-parter. I might split it up uh, over the course of a few weeks because uh, it's a big story. Might do the actual event as it happened and then what it could have been. I think it probably is the best way to do it, so we'll go with that. I think it might be a two-parter. Fucked up facts. Yeah, fucked up facts. Let's finish on that. Can we have the theme tune? Facts, facts, fucked up facts, 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 the website says that the service is, in our opinion, legal. I guess it is legal. It's a loophole. Mm -hmm. What? Well, so yeah, because you, you call... She's just a dealer, basically. Yeah, yeah, but she's psychic. Well, she's claiming to be. So oh, yeah. You didn't ask I found that... I thought, you know... No, it's like, oh, you ring up and go, I lost some weed. I lost about 30 quid's worth of weed. Can mm. you can your psychic find it for me? And then within like 20 minutes, half an hour, someone turns up with a bag of weed. Oh, here's your weed. I found it. I'm psychic. Kaboom. I like it. Yeah. It's getting around the rules. Love it. Yeah. The Dutch word for a tax on the super rich mm -hmm. is Dagobert duck tax. Dagobert duck tax. Yeah. Love it. You know what it means? What? Scrooge McDuck tax. Ah, fantastic. He was an odd one, wasn't he? Hanging around with them kids all the time. It was his uncle, wasn't it? Yeah, where's, where's, where's the dad? Where's the dad? Oh, Donald was in the Navy, wasn't he? Why was Donald in the Navy and Scrooge is a fucking millionaire? Different life choices, who knows? I want to have a word against Donald, he's a goddamn war hero. Much for Daffy. Yeah, Daffy was better, yeah, but you know. Was he the black sheep of the family, was he? I don't even. Is he related in canon? I don't know. I don't know. I think they're related. Different species, but looks Yeah. <laughs> Different uh, animation companies too, because Daffy was Warner Brothers and DuckTales was Disney. Donald's Disney, Oh, yeah. You saw that one out. The first Italian recipe book was created in the 15th century and contained recipes such as how to dress a peacock with all its feathers Ooh. so that when cooked it appears to be alive and spews fire from its beak. Sweet as fuck! That's metal as hell! Why is no one doing that anymore? I guess that has some blooming time, right? Medieval times are fascinating. I've been looking. I've been listening to a podcast about the Black Death. Yeah. And I, I, and I started. I I found a, a medieval style band that does modern songs in a medieval style. Yeah. It's, it's an artist called Hildegard von Blingen, and with with Friar Funk as who does the art that does the music. It's fucking great. <laughs> Some of it's really good. She sings it in that sort of medieval style. It's quite good. It's worth it. 
I've been playing Medieval Total War as well on the, on the laptop, so it's probably got a lot to do with it. On the Medieval kick. Humans possess the genes connected to our saliva glands that might enable us to one day produce venom. Oh, yeah. If I could spit acid, that'd be sweet. <laughs> spit venom. <laughs> Just like that dinosaur from Jurassic Park. I don't think that's going to evolve, that isn't. No, but we could alter our genes to have it. I mean, imagine a soldier that can spit acid. Be handy, wouldn't it? In certain situations. Yeah, I suppose so. I don't think it's taking a step towards, like, you know, peace on Earth, though, is it? No, it's not. No, <laughs> no. But none of this stuff's going to be. The fucking oh, yeah. acid spitters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but none of this stuff's going to be, because the first thing you're going to do is you're going to engineer your soldiers to have, like, stronger bones, or they don't just sleep for so long, or they heal faster, things like that. It's all going to be gene therapy. So it's like that's the first thing you're doing. It's it's, it's like we'll, we'll get the the, the hand-me-downs as it is. <laughs> During World War Two, American bomber crews started strapping ice cream mix to the plane before flights. The combination of altitude and turbulence would freeze and churn the ice cream for them. Hey, that's nice. Well, if it wasn't for the Germans <laughs> underneath them or the Japanese underneath them, but at least they cruise with some ice cream. Wouldn't have fancy being a, a ball turret gunner on one of them American bombers. You know, using the the movie um, of Memphis Belle. Oh yeah. Yeah, them things are like I watched a, a, a YouTube video on that. Them things were fucking just a death trap. You have to be the shortest guys. You, they let in like guys who are like four foot six under five foot because they were the only ones that could fit in there. Yeah. All right. Your emergency landing gear didn't come out, or the that the. the Turret got jammed. Sorry, the, the hatch would only open if the turret was facing a certain way. Oh. So unless it was, if it got jammed, they couldn't get you out. You and if you had to do, ball. you were in a, an, a glass ball, a plexiglass ball, oh. right? And if the landing gear was shot away and your turret was jammed, guess what? You ain't getting out. No, it's going to flatten you. Yeah, so many died in that scenario. It was unreal. Oof. I think they just like have it, the hatch sort of open, yeah. A lot of them did. Regulation stated the hatch should be closed. So depends how uh, how strict the guy flying the plane was, I guess. Yeah. And remember, air crews took massive casualties, so chances are you didn't start off with the same guys you started with. You didn't end with the same guys you started with. No. Oof. That film is good, though, isn't it? It's a good movie. Also watched the um, the redo of Catch Twenty Two. That shows all the horrors of air warfare, like when the plane next to I can't remember his name. No, the main character uh, gets blown up, and the pilot, who's his mate, gets flung into the windscreen of his own plane, and he's just there clinging to the edge. He's ah, and then he just gets sucked off, <laughs> blown off. Yeah, mental trauma. Do you know why vacuum cleaners are so noisy? Oh, that suction. They made that way on purpose, so we don't doubt their suction power. Mm. So they don't need to be that noisy? Nope. It's just all about the impression. Mm -hmm. Like car doors, the clunk sound added to make it sound sturdier than it is. Mm. Yeah, because cars aren't really that sturdy, no. are they? It's to give us a false impression. Bastards. I know. Capitalist bastards. Everything's a lie. The world is a lie. Speaking of lies, do you know what Caesar's last words were? Probably not etu brute. No. Because that's Shakespeare. It was kaisu technon. What's that mean? In today's speak, it probably means see you in hell, punk. Yeah, I can imagine Caesar saying that. It means you too, child. But in our speak, it would be like something like it was like a comeback, like see you in hell, punk. Oh, nice! Mm. I can imagine Caesar saying that. <laughs> so he probably said, "See you in hell, punk." <laughs> he had some fucking testicles on him. To be fair, Caesar. <laughs> Check out Dan Carlin's episode on the Celtic Holocaust, narrated by Julius Caesar. Well, not narrated by, but well, he, he reads some Caesar's war journals. Caesar always referred to himself in the third person. Mm. Yeah, it's weird. Studies conducted in the 1970s have shown alpha pigs 
temporarily lose their place in social hierarchies when they get too drunk. <laughs> Daddy pig. Oh man, yeah, I can believe that. Oh god, he's fucking making a fool of himself again. You're the new out. You can bang me now. <laughs> you can bang me tonight. And he sobers up. He's back to being alpha again, I guess. Yeah, we'll finish with this one. A bit random. Jellyfish born in space. Mm -hmm. Hate life on Earth. What, they don't, do they actively attack it, do you think? Like anyone, like if I, it's like, hey, that jellyfish is like face, trying to face hugger me through the glass. I'm like, oh yeah, it was born in space. That's, right, so many questions. Go on. So they took a jellyfish and they made it reproduce in space, supposedly on the space station, then brought them back down and now they're, they're, they're somehow finding out that the jellyfish doesn't like life. Jellyfish. Uh, uh, Maybe they're committing suicide. <laughs> Maybe they're just actively aggressive towards anyone that alive. <laughs> Maybe they kill a jellyfish. Yeah. I'm assuming that maybe when observing, observing, and they don't do the normal stuff that the jellyfish do, they become stressful or something. I don't know. I've got it. Stressful. They stick them in a tank with a load of other jellyfish. Yeah, and that jellyfish that was born in space just fucking attacks the others because it can sense that it's not of them mm. on some level. Or maybe it's so freaked out because it was born in zero gravity, when it, even in the water. Yeah. It just like, there's yeah, something to do with the ambient pressure or something like that. So when they stick it in a tank at NASA, it's not the same and it just freaks them out and they go nuts and start attacking everything. There's a defense mechanism. Mm. Or it's like that movie Life, which is actually really good. That was kind of, no, that was more of a squid. They need to send them uh, jellyfish back to space, don't they? Fire them into the sun, we don't want them attacking us. And on that note, let's end the show there. So I've been Ben, thank you very much for listening. Tell your friends, don't drink the flavour aid, don't join a cult. I've been Mike, thanks for listening. Peace out, may the force be with you. And I've been Claire, keep an open mind, but not so open that it spills out your ears, guys.